You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to A Sovereign Self. Once again, I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your fabulously divine and wonderful co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Hello all. Hello everybody. Uh, continuing last week, uh, tonight's program, we're, we're going to be talking once again to some of the 12 keys to mastery. And I think I'll reiterate that when I look in the dictionary, sovereign means independent, autonomous, self-governing, and ruler. That is essentially to become your sovereign self is what you have to become. Or put more words in there. You have to be. You truly have to become independent, anonymous, and self-governing. And you know, one of the interesting things about all the keys to mastery, and while the twelve keys to mastery are important, there are none more important than the other. There are some that some people may need to practice more than one to the other. But there, there's more to them than originally meets the eye, and, and you can go on for many long conversations on each one of them and the derivations around them. Mm-hmm. But the thing to remember is that when we talk about the 12 keys to mastery, each of us is unique. We each have our own experiences, education, beliefs, and opinions, and it is because of our uniqueness that no two people will have probably the same difficulty with any specific key. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it should be. We like to sort of state up front that the 12 keys to mastery, we're going over them fairly lightly in many ways. And they are more complex than just a single set of discussions that we can have on a program or two. And that's why we keep going back to them many times, because there are things that come through all the time in our lives and how we look at things and how we are being that tie in with one or more of the keys to mastery. So on tonight's program, we'll see how far we get, but we're going to talk about respect and responsibility, self-love and self-importance, and we'll see where it goes from there. But we do hope you enjoy the program, and we're off, I guess. So do you want to go first, (laughs) Rob? Yep, I'll take off uh, with the uh, take off with uh, respect. Excellent. Let's start with respect. Wonderful. Respect. What are my thoughts on that? Treating others the way you would have them treat you is probably one of the main components of respect. More often today, we we see people who get triggered emotionally react disrespectful to others and. Where do I want to go with this? <laughs> Excuse me. With the, one of the things that I was always taught with regards to respect was that everything basically falls under the umbrella of respect. Now, other people might have a difference of opinion on that. For me, respect has always meant that if you had respect, 
with respect, you can achieve just about anything. And again, it's I stress heavily treating others the way you would have them treat you is a key component in respect. And it uh, without respect, for instance, uh, you would shut. You, a lot of times, you would shut down conversations, and you would come to loggerheads. And with respect, there can still be agreement in a discourse or a or in a dialogue with someone that you're not in agreement with. But without respect you will never come to any form of agreement. So even when it comes to negotiation tactics, for instance, mm-hmm. you must always have respect for for your opponent. And isn't the, there's an old saying that also says, uh, respect your enemies. And I'm not oh, sure okay. where, what the entire quote is, but I'm looking at that going, that's, that is extremely wise. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely difficult these days. Given what, what's going on. Respecting your enemy is, I guess, the basis, if I can put this in for that, is that when you respect someone, you recognize and you're trying to understand where they're coming from. Right. <laughs> and everyone is coming from a different point of view. And people are angry. People get mad. People attack. But they have their reasons in their mind for doing so. Mm-hmm. So whether we know those reasons or not doesn't mean they don't exist. Right. And when you respect other people, you will truly try and sit down and figure out why they're angry at you or why certain things happen. It's the basis for understanding and moving forward. And so respect branches out into so many things. Yeah, I think it has, it has a lot of, of tentacles come with it. I love the, the thought, um, Ron, that you made around treating others the way you want to be treated. Yes. It's something I grew up with as well. However, it's interesting because, Martin, you just tapped in on something that I was going to comment on that was, you know, catapulting off respecting your enemy and understanding where others are coming from. Because for, for a number of years, I would think to myself and, and say to others, well, hold it. If respect is treating others the way you want to be treated, are we really respecting one another's uniqueness fully? So I think there's a there's a variation to that in my mind that says absolutely treat others the way you want to be treated as far as from a respect and honoring another's opinion, non-judgment and all of those things. But I think oftentimes just because, let's say for example, if, if I could put it a little more clearly, it would be, if, for example, I'm a person that, you know, I want you to just, you know, cut to the just state your point, get to it, and yet somebody else may have a uniqueness that says, gee, you know, for me to understand that I need you to explain it in a different way or, or whatever that looks like, I think when you start to understand where they're coming from, respect is also sort of, and I don't think how telling to, but understanding their perspective so that you approach them in a respectful manner from a perspective that they can understand. Mm. So oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, you know, I respect someone who just tells me like it is. Right. And you might be somebody else who says, ooh, I'm easily offended. So then you have to kind of not tell them as it is, but maybe temper the way in which you approach them. Yes. That also, But that, that crosses into the border of last week when we were talking about integrity and telling the truth. Yes. That if indeed you cannot hurt anybody, mm-hmm. that only the person allows themselves to be hurt. If you come at it from that point of view and you're simply telling the truth the way you see it, 
why does it need to be couched mm-hmm. well, in a softer manner in order not to offend somebody else? So well, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line there. There is. That's a great point. But, sorry, Karen, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, but you said it originally, that treat others how you would want to be treated. Correct. And I think... Respect also goes heavily in the, in, if you look in a dictionary or encyclopedia to consideration towards somebody. And right. to show consideration or thoughtfulness in relation to somebody is part of respect. And it comes back to love again. If you're going to be blunt and cruel, yes. that's not showing respect. No, it's not. But there is, as you said, a line between lying to someone, not lying to someone, right. Telling them the truth or telling them the truth cruelly. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where you have to sort of move the gauge from one side to the other and recognize that if you're going to treat someone with consideration and respect, then you can't do it in a cruel manner. You can't right. lie I, to them, but mm-hmm. you, so you have to blend the two. Yes. That's a great point. And I think too, it's, it's almost like it becomes a sliding scale. I think one of the things that we talk about frequently and that we all honor very much is that this is a journey and this is a path. So I, I would agree if everybody was at a state of pure mastery on every level yes. all the time, then you could make it more black and white, mm. but understanding that we are all on a path means that I think part of that understanding from a respectful perspective is not judging where they are in their path, but being cognizant of it. And, you know, truly, I think if we were all, as I said, consistent, consecutive masters, and that's all you were dealing with, then I would agree, Ron, that, you know, we can agree with you totally that no one else can hurt us. We only allow ourselves to feel hurt. But depending upon where we are on that path, we may not be there yet. Right. So what does it do to break down the communication if someone does not show respect in the way in which we need? Does that block us from that, that piece of the journey? I, I don't know. But where Martin has come from, he's, he hit it on, the, on the, the, the nail on the head when he said not to be cruel. The more you're mm-hmm. coming from a position of love, the more right. you can be honest about what it is that you're feeling and thinking without without the need to be cruel. Right. There, no, right. Yeah, I agree. no need to have self-aggrandizement in there and, and make yourself exactly. self feel important by putting others down. Uh-huh. And there's another aspect to respect that I know we've been dealing with people, but respect to me goes beyond just to people. Respect goes to everything around us, how we mm-hmm. treat the environment, how we treat yes. other people's property, how we treat our own property even in that matter, how we treat anything. Yes, do for we, sure. Do we treat it with respect? Right. Do you? How do you? How do you look at your food, for instance, that you're eating? Are you gluttonous when it comes to eating whatever it is that you eat? And let's say you, you've you've got a full plate and you've, you're full halfway through it. Do you continue to eat the rest of the food on your plate, or do you push it aside and you say, you know, I've had enough, and I'm going to respect my body and know that it's full. Mm. And the environment, if you're pruning a tree, how, you know, or you're taking, that was one of the things grandmother would always stress that when we're harvesting from the, from the plant kingdom to only take what it is that you need 
There is no need mm-hmm. to over prune or take more than what you need for yourself. So greed becomes quite an issue when it comes to respecting the earth. The earth and each other. Greed each comes other. into both yeah. lines. Yeah. Yes, yes. One of the things, too, that I wanted to mention with regards to respect is what when you begin to focus on respect, you will also notice that you will have a much larger capacity for allowance of diverse opinions and ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's a ma- of major importance. Too often people who are narrow-minded and will not play outside their sandbox of belief systems mm-hmm. have a tendency that whenever something comes at them, that they react disrespectfully right? because right. they will not allow uh, a difference of opinion inside their fields. No, that's, that's quite well said, Ron. You know, it's interesting as I'm, as I'm thinking about the keys to mastery that we're talking about, we're very quickly evolving, and rightfully so, in showing ourselves and our listeners how it affects so many other things. You know, if we think about respect, you know, we can look up in the dictionary one line for respect, and yet in the last couple of minutes, we've managed to tie respect into, you know, five or six different things, and they're they're all very much related. And what we do in our lives, yes. And I guess, and uh, not to take it to the next step already, but it kept occurring to me right through the whole thing that while we're talking about respect, it's very hard not to tie respect and responsibility together. (laughs) Ah, yes. Because responsibility is an interesting one. And I always have said that the lack of responsibility has probably caused most of the problems we face today. People like to always point their finger at who's responsible. Wasn't me. (laughs) Yes. Wasn't me. Uh, And, you know, and that's, that's easy to do. And no, it wasn't you, Karen. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, I meant that's the phrase I hear. Wasn't me. Wasn't my fault. It's true, you know, when people become aware of a problem, their most common reaction to to move is into a state of pointing at others or a state of inaction. Mm -hmm. And when you have responsibility and when you have respect, tie those two together. If you don't have respect for something, and I guess the environmental one's the easiest one, if you are dumping endless amounts of garbage and pollution into the oceans and lakes and you're showing no respect to them, then you're also showing no responsibility because of what's happened. I forget what canal it was. Was it the Erie Canal at one point that people could walk across? Yes. Ah, that they couldn't take water out of it anymore to drink because okay. there's no way we could filter the muck out of it. Even the mm-hmm. Ohio River had a problem where it caught fire one, one yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And that's where responsibility comes in. Now, I know it's lovely to want to have all our wonderful toys and goodies and everything else. But all of our wonderful toys and goodies as they get made and abused and used are causing massive problems. And I was just going to say, I always find it interesting that there are certain segments of people who will not accept any responsibility for what's happening mm-hmm. with our earth and environment and all the people who are getting cancer and illnesses from our environment that's around most of us. Mm-hmm. But that would would that be what would cause that? Would that be a feeling of being overwhelmed? Uh, yes, I I think you know in many ways we've been told that we shouldn't take responsibility. Our government will look after us, our corporations will look after us, and our religions will look after us, and they don't. 
Part of the problem there, of course, is when they don't and they let things go out of hand, we've then abdicated our responsibility to others. And that's why we go into a place of inaction, state of inaction, is because we're going, well, isn't this supposed to be taken care of? How could they let this happen where hundreds and hundreds are dying over it? And we just sit there and look at it. We don't know what to do. But mm-hmm. that part of responsibility is is finally standing up and, and saying I, something. I can't remember where I heard this or if I heard it or if I thought it up. Mm. But yeah. you know how when you're learning the English language, there's certain sentence structures you're supposed to be using. And I believe I was taught at some point in time, you never start a sentence with but. And then throughout my corporate world, I was often cautioned on a number of different courses about, you know, when they were, when they were training the group, watch out for the word but. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's timely when we're talking about responsibility because often I'll reflect on when I'm speaking, how am I using the word but and because? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I did this, but if it hadn't been for this, I wouldn't have had to do, ooh, there's mm-hmm. lack of responsibility or, well, I did that, you know, I, I had to go out and make that purchase because, mm. again, it, and, and I don't, I'm not saying that those words always mean lack of responsibility, but it has over the years caused me to ponder when I hear myself say that, hmm, yeah. what am I really saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and for me, when you say you're going to be responsible for something, it means the buck stops here. Exactly. So mm-hmm. a definite statement, like whatever that looks like. I will take responsibility for this. This happened. Yes, that was my doing. Not, yes, this was my doing, but, or yes, this is my doing because, Mm. it's yes, this is what I did. Mm -hmm. So, Or yes, this is what I think. For me, responsibility is always means, if you break it down, the ability to respond. Right. So if you, if, and this is why when I say the buck stops here, it means that whatever situation comes to me, I'm not going to pass this off to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take control. I'm going to do my best to resolve whatever the issue might be. Right. right. That's yeah. taking responsibility to respond yes. with ability. Yeah. And I would say the thing that has to probably come in there first is, is awareness to recognize the problem. Yes. But mm-hmm. once a problem is recognized, then you can take responsibility and begin finding ways to solve it. That's right. right. Now, now here's a, here's a great, you know, I'll use the, um, the but in this sentence. <laughs> uh, I will say there are consequences to our actions. And if you want to be base, wasteful, you have that right. But there you go. Also recognize <laughs> the damage caused by your being wasteful has repercussions right. at yeah. some point to you or your children or others. And eventually, we'll have to face them and deal with them. So there's a but I would use in the right context. <laughs> well, you know, and see, and Martin, I, I love that because one of the things, and I, I've, you always feel like, I always feel like you're reading my mind. But, see, I go but, and it becomes a phraseology. That statement, when you say but there, you mm-hmm. could have just as easily said, and. Yeah. And that releases the, the lack of responsibility. Because, you know, I, I love what you said, said to said because see these are phraseologies that we put in our in our English language and they don't always mean anything derogatory. No. So I would completely agree with what you just said, since that means that there is accountability and that's how you take responsibility. Yeah. With, there's another thing with the word but which 
which irks me sometimes. Whenever you are saying wonderful things mm-hmm. about a person, and then you oh. stick in the butt. Yeah. Everything yeah. that you have just said, how wonderful gone. they are, is gone in an instant. You're right. Uh, unless the last line is, but I probably understated their qualities. But instead of using using the word but, Mm. I have a tendency now to interject as well as Mm. so that the first part of the sentence is not negated. Right. But and 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 at the same time, you're going to add more to it. Mm. Right. Second part that might be different or go in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the key thing too is to understand that as, as we're, we're talking in this discussion for our listeners is that we have an English language that we have all adopted. So oftentimes, but and because and all kinds of different verbiage are used with totally not their right meaning. Right. right. Just as another word. Yes. Right. And we just pick it up almost like when you say, you know, phraseology is like, you know, or, um, or all of those kinds of things. So, Oftentimes, you know, I have these discussions with other people and, for example, we talk about the word but, then we'll constantly check ourselves at but and it got me to thinking that that I'm using that word in a wrong context. Yes. Right? So I I, I don't want people to think that just by using that word, it's negating the, the intent. It's just to be mindful of that whole concept of are you truly taking responsibility and accountability? responsibility is one of the, you know, it's a, probably many programs ago and, and many in between. There's, it's a pet peeve of mine in many ways. In that, and the one thing I always say is that so many people today tout that they have multiple rights, which they do. And yet there's another side to that coin and it is responsibility, which is what I was getting to the, in my phrase earlier. People have rights and people can do whatever they wish. Mm-hmm. That's their given freedom to do that. The problem is, is that if you don't have any responsibility and you don't have any respect, your desires to do something may damage other people. And I guess all I would say is try and become aware of that and recognize where that damage can unfold from your actions. Okay. And then you change your actions and become more responsible to make the world a better place. Mm, well uh, said, Martin. And it, it's an interesting responsibility has so many repercussions. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I really truly believe that we've been trained by most virtually all of our authorities not to be responsible. Mm-hmm. I, I just see it over the years get gutted more and gutted more. And I think it's because if you become responsible, as I said before, you become aware you become aware, you become conscious of what the problems are and what they're doing. And then if you move into responsibility, then you have to begin changing who you are and moving out with that to not cause that damage. But the governments and authorities don't always want you to look at that because they don't want to change what they're doing and everyone questioning it to see where they're not being responsible will change that. And they, they try and, if I can put it that way, counter it as much as they can. Well, that because we have a, a, a government that has a tendency to be a little bit greedy. The more people are responsible unto themselves, the less they will need assistance like government programs, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. 
So in the budget every year, um, they have to justify these massive amounts of aid where they have to help the people because they believe and they keep, they keep promoting the idea that people can't assist or help themselves so that they need constantly the handout. Mm. This was one of the things that I liked about Ron Paul and his whole campaign when he was um, running for uh, president in 2008 because he was always stressing that he wanted less government and was alluding to the fact that people need to become more responsible to themselves and not expect the government to handhold them from cradle to the grave was one of his phrases. And and I I don't disagree, but I do have a problem with that in this day and age. Uh And that's the top 1%. You get so many corporations that are really paying people subsidence wages that they can't even live on and they they can't move anywhere to get anymore. So you can give them all the responsibility you want, but if everywhere they go and every corporation and everyone they can work with is slicing their feet out from under them so they can't get anywhere, correct? then that's where we have to look at it responsibly and say enough is enough. Exactly. So there's I think that that's where it goes. Well, yeah. I think, Martin, you're absolutely correct. I mean, both of you are. I think that's where it absolutely goes to this is not a black and white. Our, our journey is not black and white. No, it's a process. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, you know, half step back. There is a lot of uh, ambiguity within it, and I think much of it takes common sense. And I'm going to go back to coming from your heart center. Yes. And really saying to yourself, does this make sense what I'm doing? Is this, and, and I use the, the phraseology common sense, but to go one step further, is this coming from my loving sense? Right. Well, and that's how responsibility and respect tie into each other because mm-hmm. the corporations that don't want to move up minimum wage and are underpaying their people show no respect to those employees right. who are literally making the company for them because without them, they'd have nothing. So their responsibility should be to make sure that they're well taken care of. Exactly. You know, in what sense? So that is the ultimate aim of those at the top 1% is by making sure that you don't become self-sufficient. And, mm-hmm. and embrace responsibility because once you do, you begin to take the power back away from the people you put at the top there. Right. Because mm-hmm. whenever we vote, we put those people in power. And it's like, be careful who you vote into power. Research these people first. Right. Yes. Very true. Very true. Um, there's a good one. Um, I love my ums. See, um, we, but we all do it. It's the English language that we have just become accustomed to. Yes. Uh, and on that, given respect and responsibility, uh, I would, if we can move into mm-hmm. self-importance. Because self-importance is another one of those multifaceted things yeah. in my mind. It has two aspects to it. And I know that you were talking about it earlier, Ron, so I'll let you get to that part about why we should have self-importance and what it really means. But far too often people are raised with the intention for self-importance that they have to make themselves better than others. Your self-importance only comes because you're better than someone else. And that seems to be what most people have been taught, at least in the Western world, about what self-importance means. It's, I'm self-important because I have this title. I have this money. I know this and you don't. I, all sorts of things. 
that isn't self-importance at all. That's actually low self-esteem when you're trying to pump yourself yes. up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting the way we've twisted self-importance to play in with our ego and we want to show our superiority by pointing out, you know, where other people are wrong and why we are right and that type of thing. And we do that endlessly. Oh, we do. <laughs> and I'll let you get into it, Ron, but the true definition of self-importance is so much more lovely and grander than that. <laughs> and you're right about the grandiose ideas that the ego will put forth to cover, you know, usually the um, a low self-esteem. And I simply use the term, it, it develops an arrogance about the person where there is a superiority yeah. thing that gets to play out. And to me, that is not authentic self-importance, but a, but a, a facsimile or a counterfeit uh, with mm. regards to self-importance. Once you begin to embrace the sovereign self, and you begin to understand that you yourself are a part of God, that God indeed did make humanity in his own image. What does that mean? More often than not, when I have spoken to many, many religious people and have tried to get them to understand the fact that they are God, incarnate form, they draw the line. They cannot go there. You know, the Bible says that they're sinners or that they have to humble themselves constantly in, in front of God with constantly with this, this idea that there's a separation between who they think they are and God. And they continue to place God outside of themselves rather than acknowledge that God is within everything. So God cannot be, you cannot be without God and God cannot cannot learn without you it's it's a relationship with the one mm-hmm. so and that this is where the, the, the true term of self-importance comes into play as far as i can tell for 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 myself personally is that the more i understand that i am god the more respect i have and, and for for who i am becoming moment by moment by moment right because the famous phrase comes into it what would god do Yes. And if God is love, then you know what God would do. God would come from center of love. Exactly. And it's interesting because I know people will cringe at the statement, that, you know, when you said you're God. Yes. And it's not said from any of us in an ego sense. It's, it's said from an understanding sense that if God is the alpha and omega and the end all and be all and everything, then of course we have to be part of God because if God isn't that, then if we're not part of God, then God can't be that. And yet, just about every religion says that that's what God is. Mm-hmm. So if that's what God is, you can't counter it by putting in this other stuff, well, except, you know, are your famous so, but or because or... <laughs> so with that, and I, I completely agree, but for that, and Sarah, I used the word but. <laughs> I'm going to cringe every time I use the word but. And um, what would we say to our listeners who believe in a higher power... And they don't refer to that higher power as God. I would, I would say that, you know, and I, I read this, I read this in um, one of the Neil Donald Walsh books, but God said that, and it was sort of not God said, but the whole discussion was about God is not needy. If God can do anything God wishes and God is everything, then God needs nothing from us. And the one thing that came out clear in that was, God doesn't need us to believe in God. God is God 
And whether we believe in God or don't and just believe in a higher being and call it whatever we wish is irrelevant. Yeah, another and another reflection on that would be someone who strongly in their own opinion of something does not require anybody else to believe in them for them to believe that their opinion is solid knowing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you'll notice often with Neil Donald Walsh, because I've taken, you know, Martin, you and I took a course together. Oftentimes, and for any of our listeners who have read Conversations with God, you'll notice throughout that book, Neil will refer to God as he, she, and mm-hmm. back and forth, you know. No gender. Very I, transparent. Yeah, all genders. Because God encompasses everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's the interesting thing, and I know I, I put it in my book as well, is when I was talking about created in the image of God, I sort of went to what is God? And first and foremost, from what I could see from what, at least from a Christian sense, even if I just stick there, um, what Jesus said is, is God is love. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Mm-hmm. And if God is love, then if we're created in the image of God, when we're not coming from love, we're not behaving as if we are God. Mm-hmm. And we can behave, behave how we wish, but if you truly wish to get your, to your center of divinity, you have to come from love. And of course, I always say the other thing that God sort of represents is God is the creator. God created sentient life and everything here. So if God is the creator, then there has to be that reflection in us as well, and that we can indeed create what we wish and desire. Mm-hmm. It's just we have talked ourselves out of believing that we can. Mm-hmm. So when as soon as we say, oh, no, I couldn't do that, well, well that's what you're, you're creating. Yeah. That's, that's the power of your creation. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's sort of self-defeating in that sense. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a statement that many spiritual masters used and continue to use today, but that I believe humanity has reached a point where it needs to change. That statement is not my will, but your will. When I hear that today, it instantly, I get the instant feeling that I'm separating myself from God, mm. that somehow mm-hmm. my yes. will is not God's will. And I, would today want to change that not my will, meaning the ego's will, right? not my will, but our will, Yes. meaning my Christ consciousness, which is in communion with God, mm-hmm. that is a oneness that I would wish to embrace rather than, the, and that would indicate that I must be elevating myself, my self-awareness, my self-importance must be elevated to the point where I can acknowledge that my larger will that I have is indeed God's will. Yes. I would agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that comes a lot, Ron, from the translation of not only our teachings, but our English language. Uh And... You know, I, I love what you said, not my will, but your will. And it is yes. so separated. Yes. yes. When you say that statement, you instantly get the, the feeling, lowly, poor little me here, I have, <laughs> you know, and I, there's no way that I could ever understand your will, God. So not my will, but only your mm-hmm. will, and I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you say. That's not what God yeah. wanted. God does not want us to be good little, yeah. little mimics where, Hold you know. You, but yeah. Yeah, the, where he, where he, we, we expect him to tell us what to do. No, he wants, he wants the partnership here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, which, which goes back to taking responsibility. Right. Yes. And having respect. And being respectful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
yes, not yes. only of ourselves but others as well. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, it's so true. And I think much of that leads into one of the other things that we want to talk about was self-importance and how it ties into self-love. Yes. And again, it goes back to the concept of self-love is not oh, I and it's not from an egocentric perspective. No. In self-love, therefore, I am letting my ego take over and I am so deserving of this from an egocentric perspective. Mm-hmm. We are deserving of everything from a non-egocentric perspective, but from a love perspective. Well, and and it's interesting. The one thing that self-love always, many statements and people go back to this. You know, it's been said that in order to love anyone, you must first learn to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And until you love yourself, how can you fully love anyone or anything else? Because you don't fully understand what love is. Mm -hmm. Because if you're self-loathing or critical, you will never believe you are worthy. And mm-hmm. if you're not worthy, uh, how can you give your love to anyone fully if you believe you're not worthy of them or it or anything else? Self-love has such a core value in so many ways like that. That's only one. But self-love is interesting in that way. Mm-hmm. It, lack of self-love prevents one from looking at themselves truly as how they are. Yeah. Shuts down everything. Yeah. Because they move into an attempt to fulfilling a need for love. Mm -hmm. Or or they box in their understanding and anything outside, again, that understanding is eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. And and realizing that self-love is not feeding the ego. It's about truly loving oneself so that you are at the best you could possibly be. And I think of the... I don't know how they term her, but I, I consider her the queen of affirmations, Louise Hay... And when you think about her her concept of, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and, and talking to yourself and loving all of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, she often talks about looking into the mirror, not just at your face, but your naked body and oh. loving everything, every wrinkle, every dimple, every whatever it happens to be, and truly loving it is not self-love from an egocentric perspective, but truly getting comfortable with who you are mm-hmm. and moving that forward. Oh, yeah. When we're coming from a center of need for love from another and Mm. we don't love ourselves, it's actually a message to us that when you feel that, you should recognize that you do not love yourself. And when we ignore this message, we end up always trying to fulfill the love of ourselves by getting it through others. And I always said, this isn't love, it's just being needy. And self-sabotage. Yes, yeah. And it's the first sign that if you feel you need someone else to fulfill love within you, and that's the only way you can get it, then you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it is needy, and then it becomes self-sabotage. You're right, because there's so many relationships break apart because people are needy. Right. And it's you can get around that by loving yourself first. You're wonderful. Every person is wonderful. It's amazing. If you look at yourself... Look at yourself as the glass half full, not half empty. There's so much to admire about every person and how much mm-hmm. you can love about them and how, how much they can come from their center of love. Who they can be, what they can do is endless. It is phenomenal. And that applies to everybody. How could you not love that about yourself? <laughs> exactly. And, and that's sort of and, what you have to that, go with it. Exactly. And feeling that, that feeling of self-love means that you do give yourself 
that ability to take care of yourself. So if we talk about, you know, the foods we eat, the habits we uh-huh. have, uh-huh. the environment that we habitate in, we have to consider ourselves as part of that whole oneness, hmm. part of God, and understand that it's important that we take care of ourselves. Yeah. Very important. I don't know who said it earlier in the program, but it's a process, right? Yes. Loving yourself does not mean you don't want to change aspects of yourself. Everyone, everyone wants to be, become a, a higher being, a better being, whatever they call that within themselves. And it's a forever ongoing process. What you have to recognize and accept is who you are first. Look at where you are. Be aware of who you are and don't beat yourself up over who you are. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> that's the last thing you should do. It's, that's not loving yourself. Loving yourself is recognizing that, okay, I have this habit I don't like. Then you can begin working on changing it. And whomever you want to be is your choice. Mm-hmm. But you are divine beings. You can forever change yourself onwards and upwards all the time. It's a forever process and become more and more of who you wish to be. But right. recognize that just because you have a part of yourself you're not happy with, don't beat yourself up over it. Recognize it for what it is and move on. Love it for being part of you because you wouldn't be who you are if you didn't have that and have that recognition. And that's the other part. Every facet of who you are, whether you call it negative or positive, made you who you are. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. who you are without both sides. And so there's no point beating yourself up about it. It's it's moving into recognizing that this is what has made me to date. How am I going to be going forward? And right. you pick one piece at a time. It's yeah. a step forward every time. If if you think and you're going to do it in a week, I got news for you. I hope yeah, wish good you luck. all the luck, but it's rarely good luck. <laughs> but you know, well, it's and, and Martin that's so well said because I, I was sick of the term. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, it's not about but, teaching an old dog new tricks. It's right. about just what you said. Love yourself for exactly who you are and what you bring to the table. Take responsibility and acknowledge and be aware of what it is you might want to change and have enough self-love to make that effort. But don't beat up on yourself if you don't get it in the first 36 seconds. That's right. Because right. a lot of three times... days or three months or whatever. Yeah. You know, many times when we begin the process of learning to love ourselves, we, and let's face it, we are all harder on ourselves than than we are we it's harder to forgive ourselves than it is to forgive others yes let's put it that way so whenever you're finding a fault with yourself and you're in the process of forgiving yourself be aware that this does not mean that it's going to give you license to do it again free right mm-hmm. this would be your ego speaking ah i've just been given the go i had to do it again mm. No, 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 no. It means that, yes, you did it this time, but we're going to try the next time a bit better. We're going to be aware that when the next time comes that I'm going to, I'm going to be a little more adamant that I don't fall into the, into the habit. Yeah. That you'll do better the next time. Mm-hmm. All right. And that, that there's a slight difference there because a lot of times a lot of people will, you know, they'll listen to their ego, uh, screaming success. Ah, oh, they've they've just they've just forgiven me. I can I can do this again. With I can impunity. do it again. Yeah. With with impunity, and it's like no 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 no. Yeah. It just means that now I am aware of it more. And, yes. and, and awareness, great point. 
Ron, that's where that self-awareness comes into play. Yes. Every, in my belief, every step of mastery, it comes from self-awareness. Oh, yes. And the, and the thing of it is, is you're, you're going to find, I think Donald Walsh, one of his books said that it, he was comparing awareness to levels and how, how potent these levels could be. High awareness indicating that you've got much, you know, a larger awareness of yourself as opposed to small or low awareness, which means that you're not very aware of yourself in this moment. So what I'm getting at is that it's a process. It's, it's cyclical. Mm-hmm. So there will be times when your, your consciousness is very well expanded and you are extremely aware of everything that you are doing and the observer in you can see it clearly. Then there will be moments when you're you're not clear whatsoever, and during these moments, this is when you are likely to fall victim to some of your habits. And so it's it's a cycle. It is a cycle. So we said earlier, don't beat up on yourself. We're very good at beating up on ourselves. And whenever whenever you're feeling the need to feel like you need to rejuvenate i think karen you had mentioned start pampering yourself take care of the altar that your body represents it is the it, it, without the form you would never have the experience of this life in the illusions that that we dance through you would never have that opportunity so the body is optimum it's your vehicle in this life mm-hmm. and and the other piece that comes into that and i know we've been talking about how you can Become aware and look into yourself. There is oneness. We're all one. Do not forget that hopefully, and I'll say this because I'm sure most people do have somebody they can talk to. Mm. When you're feeling down about yourself, go and talk to a friend. Say what you're feeling. And believe me, when you finish talking about it, even if they don't say a word, you'll feel better. But quite often they'll be there to help you move through it as well. You don't have to do it all alone. That's what I'm getting at, I guess, in the end. <laughs> Wait, all. All of that will assist you in embracing your self-importance mm-hmm. and beginning to feel that you matter, that you're not insignificant, that your life and who you are means something. Yes. And it's interesting, you know, self-love has other repercussions. Self-love naturally leads to trusting other people more. But one of the biggies, I think, in self-love, it helps move you into a state of confidence, because if you love yourself and you recognize and are aware of where your issues are that you're working on or whatever stage you're working through, uh-huh. you recognize them for what they are. And if someone picks on you for them, you don't have to beat yourself up. You just look at that and say, well, thank you, but I'm working on it. You don't lose that. You don't fall into that funk of, oh, my God, they've hit my sore point. You know, They've hit the point where I just can't deal with it and I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm a failure. And once you move into self-love, it moves you away from that mindset and thought and moves you into that awareness and the ability to look at statements like that and say, no, I'm aware. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. And you move away from that funk what statements can move you into. Yeah. One of the things, too, we talked about. Uh, I can't remember, it was maybe a couple of programs before with regards to humor mm-hmm. and the fact that humor, there's, it's a double-edged sword. You can use humor in a deprecating way where you can be cruel. Yeah. But to, to my, my way of thinking, humor, when it's done well, allows the person to laugh 
at their foolishness and says, see, I used to be this way. Just, can you imagine I used to think this is, a, yes. I used to think this way. How foolish is that? And to make light of that. Mm-hmm. So healing and laughter are usually go hand in hand. So yeah. when you're really feeling down about yourself, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, have a good belly laugh at some of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Self-love and self-importance. And I don't think in many, well, I don't think. There you go. I don't think. You don't think. Mommy. I don't think. Yeah, that's why I went dead right there. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> one of the, one of the issues on self-love that I always look at is that self-love is sort of the cornerstone to moving so much else. Because if you don't have self-love, you can easily turn to not having respect, not having integrity. Because if you're just angry at yourself and angry at everything about who you are and you blame others, you add that on top, it just becomes a spiral of all of the spiritual mastery pieces just sort of blow up and disappear. Oh, yes, yes. Without self-love, without self-love, where's your vision? Yes. You cannot have vision without self-love. And if you have no vision, what did I say before about no vision? A people with no vision will die. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and with with a lack of self love, it becomes it, it manifests into self hatred, yeah. And then it manifests into hatred on so many levels. So if we put hate in front of all of the twelve keys of mastery, how horrific would that be? Oh yeah. Oh. So there's and and like you said at the beginning of the show, Martin, every key is tied to another key. Oh, they're all with connected. Multiple yes. facets mm-hmm. throughout yeah. them, even. Even facets that aren't part of the keys of mastery get pulled in because they're all relevant. Yes. And he hit a good point there is that as started off on love saying that if you don't love yourself, how can you love another? But if you don't love yourself so much that you hate yourself, mm-hmm. that's all you're going to give to anyone else. And that's, and it comes through. People can sense it. And that's why a lot of relationships fall apart is because of a lack of self-love. Uh, self-confidence, self-awareness. They move either into that needy state themselves or they have a partner who's needy all the time and it just spirals down from there. How You can't have needy people having a loving relationship because mm-hmm. it's just give, give, give or take, take, take. And that right. never never works out and it certainly isn't self-love. Another Nor as- is it respect or responsibility. And another aspect of self-love is the fact that people believe that they can fail. And that yeah. once they have failed mm-hmm. about something, their their self image completely gets tarnished. And right. if they fail often enough, that's when they begin to you know believe the fact that they are, they're they're not worthy. They become hateful. They become arrogant. You know, and it leads to all of these other mis- issues that yeah issues that um, that will all prevent you from becoming who you truly are, which, as we have always said, is an aspect of God. Yeah, and uh, and it's true, you know, you mentioned it. certainly dealing with anybody. If you don't have self-love, and it goes on to the point where you don't have respect, you don't have any of that for people or yourself, yeah. how can you expect your relationships to be the wonderful thing that everyone says they should be? Yeah. The lack of self-love is a major driver on keeping yeah. us in that spot of not having what we would consider wondrous relationships. 
Yeah, and another thing with regards to failure, when people feel that they have failed, it's always a a, a step in the back direction. They are they're always losing ground. Mm-hmm. And I love what grandmother says. No, failure just means that you have an op- another opportunity to retake whatever it is that you've mistaken. Yes, you have a time to retake it. So she doesn't call she calls it failing forward. Mm-hmm. Which gives a whole new feeling to the concept of failure that you're not bad, you're not wrong. If this time the end result was not what you wanted, it doesn't mean that you're a failure and that, you know, you're going to be punished for in the eternal fires of hell or whatever. It just simply means that you have another opportunity to do it differently. Move forward. Exactly. And I guess this is where I jump in and use my, as I always do, gratitude. Mm -hmm. When you talk about grandmother saying, when you when you've missed something, it's just another opportunity. Uh-huh. I, I think to myself, you know, if it's something really simple that happens in our lives, you oh, gee, I didn't know that. Let's say you're you know walking through a a mall and you don't know where you're going, so you're uh-huh. lost. You get you had you had a map, you had directions, and you stop someone and you say, "How do I get there?" What's the first thing we do? Thank you for giving me directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I always do is when I find myself hitting a miss or as grandmother puts it, you know, in another term, I always say, thank you. Cause now I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's another issue. That's, that could also be called respect. Mm-hmm. Yes, actually, Ron, you're right. It could be. So, and as you said, all of these keys, they all tie in beautifully with one another. There's, there's the saying, the higher you go up, the only thing that you will ever encounter that's real is love. It yes. all falls under the umbrella. And the higher you go, everything begins to connect and it all becomes one. Yes. Exactly. And gratitude is love. It is a facet of love that, that's giving appreciation for just another thing in life, just like the next mm-hmm. thing in life and the next thing in life. But it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's sharing your appreciation. Yes. It's an act. Yeah. And if you're dealing in the moment, you constantly need action in order to bring you back to the moment. And gratitude right. is a wonderful thing to bring you back into the moment, well, which is your point of power. Well, and it's easy for us to give gratitude when we feel whatever it is that makes us feel good, whether it's a happy moment. It's easy for us if somebody plays you a compliment, to just say thank you. If someone, you know, does you a favor, it's easy to say thank you. When yes. you learn a lesson or when you hit a miss, say thank you. Yes. Because you won't hit that miss again, not the same way. No. Or if it's somebody gives gift. you, if somebody gives you a, gri- a gift at Christmas time and you don't have a gift for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where's well, your self-importance? Yes. Where's your self-importance when you say, oh no, I, you, I can't, I can't accept this. I didn't get mm-hmm. you anything. The, the idea that y- somehow you have the right to take away someone's pleasure when mm. they give you a gift simply because you don't believe you're good enough. Yeah. Right. And it is literally a slap in the face to them by taking away their joy of giving it to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why would you want to do that? But see how exactly. many people and see how many people first react to that. What's their first their first thought when somebody has gifted them something. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. How many times have you seen people feel uncomfortable about taking someone's gift simply because they did not feel they were worthy enough? And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Yes. Self-worth. Yeah. 
No, it's so true. And you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's sad in many ways because, because people look at it backwards. They should look at it from, you know, as I said, walk a mile in another person's shoes. If they went out and bought you a gift and thought you were important enough to give it to you, and they're really giving it to you in thanks for who you are to them, mm-hmm. you should look at that and go, wow, do you really think that way? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's true. Gratitude should come out of it. When we went to grandmother whenever we saw her after a period of, you know, four or five months of not seeing her, and we, right. there was nothing more thrilling than when I would give a gift to grandmother and hear her squeal of delight. Mm-hmm. There was a rush of appreciation that went through me that made me feel I was like, I was as tall as a mountain, that my importance was just shining because I, my gift was accepted. Yep. Yeah. And gifts come in so many different forms, right? They could be a gift of uh, an actual unit of something. Mm. It could be a gift of a compliment, a gift of a smile, a gift of a hug, a gift of time. Exactly. There's so many ways to give. And, and completely contradicts the illusion of insufficiency. Because there is none. There is no such thing. That's one of the illusions in life that we've all bought into, that our ego has bought into, right. and that we are trying to to come to terms with. We have bought all of these illusions in life, hook, line, and sinker, and mm-hmm. we have fallen into believing that they're real rather than using the illusions they are using us. Yes. On that note, we have about 30 seconds left. And, of course, as always, our love and gratitude go out to you. And everybody have a joyous and wonderful week. And don't forget that you are wondrously divine. Absolutely. Have a wonderful week, people. Have a fabulous week, listeners, and thank you so very, very much for tuning in and listening to us. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.